0: Chapter 6. Feet and Sprouts In the cottage the beds were airing, the floors had been swept, and the log basket was full. On the kitchen table the inventory was laid out. So many spoons, so many pans, so many dishes, all lined up in the dingy light. Tiffany packed some of the cheeses, though. She'd made them, after all. The loom was silent in its room. It looked like the bones of some dead animal, but under the big chair was the package Miss Treason had mentioned, wrapped in black paper. Inside it was a cloak woven of brown wool, so dark that it was almost black. It looked warm. That was it, then. Time to go. If she lay down and put her ear to a mouse hole, she could hear widespread snoring coming from the cellar. The fegals believed that after a really good funeral, everyone should be lying down. It wasn't a good idea to wake them. They'd find her. They always did. Was that everything? Oh, no, not quite. She took down the unexpurgated dictionary and Chaffinch's mythology, with the dacny of the Sneesos in it, and went to tuck them into a bag under the cheeses. As she did so, the pages flipped like cards, and several things dropped out onto the stone floor. Some of them were faded old letters, which she tucked back inside for now. There was also the Boffo catalogue. The cover had a grinning clown on it, and the words The Boffo Novelty and Joke Company. Guffaws, jokes, chuckles, japes galore. If it's a laugh, it's a boffo. Be the life of the party with our novelty gift pack. Special offer this month, half price off red noses. Yes, you could spend years trying to be a witch, or you could spend a lot of money with Mr. Boffo and be one as soon as the postman arrived. Fascinated, Tiffany turned the pages. There were skulls, glow-in-the-dark eight dollars extra, and fake ears and pages of hilarious noses, ghastly dangling booger free on noses over five dollars, and masks, as Boffo would say, galore. Mask number 19, for example, was Wicked Witch Deluxe with mad greasy hair, rotting teeth, and hairy warts. Supplied loose, stick them where you like. Miss Treason had obviously stopped short of buying one of these, possibly because the nose looked like a carrot, but probably because the skin was bright green. She could also have bought scary witch hands, $8 a pair with green skin and black fingernails, and smelly witch feet, $9. Tiffany tucked the catalogue back into the book. She couldn't leave it for Anagramma to find, or the secret of Miss Treason's boffo would be out. And that was it. One life ended and neatly tidied away. One cottage clean and empty. One girl wondering what was going to happen next. Arrangements would be made. Clonk, clank. She didn't move, didn't look around. I'm not going to be boffoed, she told herself. There's an explanation for that noise that has nothing to do with Miss Treason. Let's see. I cleaned the fireplace, right? And I leaned the poker next to it. But unless you get it just right, it always falls over sooner or later in a sneaky kind of way. That's it. When I turn and look behind me, I'll see that the poker has fallen over and is lying in the grate, and therefore the noise wasn't caused by any kind of ghostly clock at all. She turned around slowly. The poker was lying in the grate. And now, she thought, it would be a good idea to go outside into the fresh air. It's a bit sad and stuffy in here. That's why I want to go out, because it's sad and stuffy. It's not at all because I'm afraid of any imaginary noises.' "'I'm not superstitious. I'm a witch. Witches aren't superstitious. We are what people are superstitious of. I just don't want to stay. I felt safe here when she was alive. It was like sheltering under a huge tree. But I don't think it is safe any more. If the Wintersmith makes the trees shout my name, well, I'll cover my ears. The house feels like it's dying, and I'm going outside.' There was no point in locking the door, the local people were nervous enough about going inside, even when Miss Treason was alive, they certainly wouldn't set foot inside now, not until another witch had made the place her own. A weak, runny-egg kind of sun was showing through the clouds, and the wind had blown the frost away. But a brief autumn turned to winter quickly up here. From now on there would always be the smell of snow in the air. Up in the mountains the winter never ended. Even in the summer the water in the streams was ice-cold from the melting snow. he sat down on the old stump with her ancient suitcase and a sack and waited for the arrangements anagramma would be here pretty soon you could bet on that the cottage already looked abandoned it seemed like it was her birthday the thought pushed itself to the front yes it would be today death had got it right the one big day in the year that was totally hers and she'd forgotten about it all in the excitement and now it was already two-thirds over had she ever told Petulia and the others when her birthday was? She couldn't remember. Thirteen years old. But she'd been thinking of herself as nearly thirteen for months now. Pretty soon she'd be nearly fourteen. She was just about to enjoy a bit of self-pity when there was a stealthy rustling behind her. She turned so quickly that Horace the Cheese leapt backward. Oh, it's you, said Tiffany. Where have you been, you naughty, b- uh, cheese? I was worried sick. Horace looked ashamed but it was quite hard to see how he managed it. "'Are you going to come with me?' she asked. Horace was immediately surrounded by a feeling of yesness. All right. You must get in the sack.' Tiffany opened it, but Horace backed away. "'Well, if you are going to be a naughty cheat—' she began and stopped. Her hand was itching. She looked up. "'At the Wintersmith.' "'It had to be him.' At first he was just swirling snow in the air, but as he strode across the clearing he seemed to come together, become human, become a young man with a cloak billowing out behind him, and snow on his hair and shoulders. He wasn't transparent this time, not entirely, but something like ripples ran across him, and Tiffany thought she could see the trees behind him like shadows. She took a few hurried steps backward, but the wintersmith was crossing the dead grass with the speed of a skater. She could turn and run, but that would mean she was Well, turning and running, and why should she do that? She hadn't been the one scribbling on people's windows. What should she say? What should she say? Now, I really appreciated you finding my necklace, she said, backing away again, and the snowflakes and roses were really very... it was very sweet. But I don't think that we... Well, you're made of cold and I'm not. I'm a human made of human stuff. You must be her, said the Wintersmith. You were in the dance, and now you are here in my winter. The voice wasn't right. It sounded fake, somehow, as if the Wintersmith had been taught to say the sound of words without understanding what they were. I'm a her, she said uncertainly. I don't know about must be. "Um, Please, I'm really sorry about the dance. I didn't mean to. It just seemed so... "'He's still got the same purple-grey eyes,' she noticed. "'Purple-grey, in a face sculpted from freezing fog. "'A handsome face, too. "'Look, I never meant to make you think,' she began. "'Meant,' said the Wintersmith, looking astonished. "'But we don't mean. "'We are. "'What do you mean? "'Crivens!' "'Oh, no,' muttered Tiffany, as feagles erupted from the grass. The feagles didn't know the meaning of the word fear. Sometimes Tiffany wished they'd read a dictionary. They fought like tigers, they fought like demons, they fought like giants. What they didn't do was fight like something with more than a spoonful of brain. They attacked the Wintersmith with swords, heads, and feet, and the fact that everything went through him as if he were a shadow didn't seem to bother them. If a feagle aimed a boot at a misty leg and ended up kicking himself in his own head, then it had been a good result. The Wintersmith ignored them, like a man paying no attention to butterflies. Where is your power? Why are you dressed like this? the Wintersmith demanded. This is not as it should be. He stepped forward and grabbed Tiffany's wrist hard, much harder than a ghostly hand should be able to do. It is wrong! he shouted. Above the clearing, the clouds were moving fast. Tiffany tried to pull away. Let me go. You are her! the Wintersmith shouted, pulling her toward him. Tiffany hadn't known where the shout came from, but the slap came from her hand, thinking for itself. It caught the figure on the cheek so hard that for a moment the face blurred as if she'd smeared a painting. "'Don't come near me! Don't touch me!' she screamed. There was a flicker behind the Wintersmith. Tiffany couldn't see it clearly because of the icy haze and her own anger and terror, but something blurred and dark was moving toward them across the clearing, Wavering and distorted like a figure seen through ice, it loomed behind the transparent figure for one dark moment and then became Granny Weatherwax, in the same space as the Wintersmith, inside him. He screamed for a second and exploded into a mist. Granny stumbled forward, blinking. It'll take a while to get the taste of that out of my head, she said. Shut your mouth, girl. Something might fly into it. Tiffany shut her mouth. Something might fly into it. "'What—what did you do to him?' she managed. "'It—' snapped Granny, rubbing her forehead. "'It's an it, not a he. "'An it that thinks it's a he. "'Now give me your necklace.' "'What?' "'But it's mine.' "'Do you think I want an argument?' Granny Weatherwax demanded. "'Does it say on my face I want an argument? "'Give it to me now. "'Don't you dare defy me.' "'I won't just—' Granny Weatherwax lowered her voice, and, in a piercing hiss— much worse than a scream, said, It's how it finds you. Do you want it to find you again? It's just a fog now. How solid do you think it will become? Tiffany thought about that strange face, not moving like a real one should, and that strange voice, putting words together as if they were bricks. She undid the little silver clasp and held up the necklace. It's just boffo, she told herself. Every stick is a wand. Every puddle is a crystal ball. This is just a... a thing. I don't need it to be me. Yes, I do. You must give it to me, said Granny softly. I can't take it. She held out her hand palm up. Tiffany dropped the horse into it and tried not to see Granny Weatherwax's fingers as a closing claw. Very well, said Granny, satisfied. Now we must go. You were watching me, said Tiffany sullenly. All morning. You could have seen me if you'd thought to look, said Granny. But you didn't do a bad job at the burial, I'll say that. I did a good job. That's what I said. No, said Tiffany, still trembling. You didn't. I've never held with skulls and such like, said Granny, ignoring this. Artificial ones, at any rate. But Miss Treason," She stopped, and Tiffany saw her stare at the treetops. Is that him again? She asked. No, said Granny, as if this was something to be disappointed about. "'No, that's young Miss Hawkin and Mrs. Lettuce Earwig. dunning about, I see. "'And Miss Treasonardly cooled down.' "'She sniffed. "'Some people might have had the common decency not to snatch.' "'The two broomsticks landed a little way off. "'Anagrama looked nervous. "'Mrs. Earwig looked like she always did. "'Tall, pale, very well-dressed, "'wearing lots of occult jewellery, "'and an expression that said, "'You were slightly annoying her, "'but she was being gracious enough not to let it show.' And she always looked at Tiffany when she ever bothered to look at her at all, as if Tiffany was some kind of strange creature that she didn't quite understand. Mrs. Earwig was always polite to Granny in a formal and chilly way. It made Granny Weatherwax mad, but that was the way of witches. when they really disliked one another, they were as polite as duchesses as the other two approached, Granny bowed low and removed her hat. Mrs. Earwig did the same thing, only the bow was a little lower. Tiffany saw Granny glance up and then bow lower still by about an inch. Mrs. Earwig managed to go half an inch farther down. Tiffany and Anagramma exchanged a hopeless glance over the straining backs. Sometimes this sort of thing could go on for hours. Granny Weatherwax gave a grunt and straightened up. So did Mrs. Earwig, red in the face. "'Blessings be upon our meeting,' said Granny in a calm voice. Tiffany winced. This was a declaration of hostilities.' "'Yelling and prodding with the fingers "'was perfectly ordinary witch-arguing, "'but speaking carefully and calmly "'was open warfare. "'How kind of you to greet us,' "'said Mrs. Earwig. "'I hopes I sees you in good health.' "'Eh, hey, keep well, Miss Weatherwax,' Anagramma shut her eyes. "'That was a kick in the stomach, "'by which standards. "'It's Mistress Weatherwax, Mrs. Earwig,' "'said Granny, "'as I believes you know.' "'Why, yes, of course it is. "'I'm so sorry.' "'These vicious blows having been exchanged,' Granny went on. "'I trust Miss Hawkin will find everything to her liking?' "'I'm sure that—' Mrs. Earwig stared at Tiffany, her face a question. "'Tiffany?' said Tiffany, helpfully. "'Tiffany, of course. What a lovely name! "'I'm sure that Tiffany has done her very best,' said Mrs. Earwig. "'However, we shall shrive and consecrate the cottage in case of influences.' I already scrubbed and scrubbed everything, Tiffany thought. Influences, said Granny Weatherwax. Even the Wintersmith could not have managed a voice so icy. And disquieting vibrations, said Mrs. Earwig. Oh, I know about those, said Tiffany. It's the loose floorboard in the kitchen. If you tread on it, it makes the dresser wobble. There has been talk of a demon, said Mrs. Earwig, gravely ignoring this. And skulls? But, Tiffany began, and Granny's hand squeezed her shoulder so hard she stopped. Deary, deary me, said Granny, still holding on tightly. Skulls, eh? There are some very disturbing stories, said Mrs. Earwig, watching Tiffany, of the darkest nature, Mistress Weatherwax. A feel that the people in this steading have been very badly served, indeed. Dark forces have been unleashed. Tiffany wanted to yell, No, it was all stories. It was all boffo. She watched over them. She stopped their stupid arguments. She remembered their laws. She scolded their silliness. She couldn't do that if she was just a frail old lady. She had to be a myth. But Granny's grip kept her silent. Strange forces are certainly at work, said Granny Weatherwax. I wish you well in your endeavours, Mrs. Herewig. If you will excuse me. Of course, Miss Tress Weatherwax. May good stars attend you. May the road slow down to meet your feet, said Granny. She stopped gripping Tiffany so hard, but nevertheless almost dragged her around the side of the cottage. The late Miss Treason's broomstick was leaning against the wall. Tie your stuff on quickly, she commanded. We must move. Is he going to come back? asked Tiffany, struggling to tie the sack and old suitcase onto the bristles. Not yet. Not soon, I think but it will be looking for you, and it will be stronger. Dangerous to you, I believe, and those around you. You have such a lot to learn. You have such a lot to do. I thanked him. I tried to be nice to him. Why is he still interested in me? Because of the dance, said Granny. I'm sorry about that. Not good enough. What does a storm know of sorrow? You must make amends. Did you really think that space was left there for you? Oh, this is so tangled! How are your feet? Tiffany, angry and bewildered, stopped with one leg half over the stick. My feet? What about my feet? Do they itch? What happens when you take your boots off? Nothing. I just see my socks. What have my feet got to do with anything? We shall find out, said Granny infuriatingly. Now come along. Tiffany tried to get the stick to rise, but it barely cleared the dead grass. She looked around. The bristles were covered with knack-mack feagles. "'Dinna mind us,' said Rob anybody. "'We'll hold on tight.' "'And dinner make it too bumpy, "'cause I feel like the top of my head's come off,' said Daft woolly.Do "'Do we get meals on this flight?' said Big Yan. "'I'm fair bogging for a wee drink.' "'I can't take you all,' said Tiffany. "'I don't even know where I'm going.' Granny Weatherwax glared at the feagles. You'll have to walk. We're travelling to Town. The address is Tier Nanny Og, the square. Tier Nanny Og," said Tiffany. Isn't that—it means Nanny Ogg's place, said Granny, as feagles dropped off the broomstick. You'll be safe there, well, more or less. But we must make a stop on the way. We must put that necklace as far away from you as we can. And I know how to do that. Oh, yes. The knack-mack jogged through the afternoon woods. Local wildlife had found out about feagles, so the fluffy woodland creatures had all dived for their burrows, or climbed high into the trees. But after a while, Big Yan called a halt and said, "'There's something tracking us.' "'Don't be daft,' said Rob anybody. "'There's nothing left in these woods that's mad enough to hunt feagles.' "'I know what I'm sensing,' said Big Yan stubbornly. "'I can feel it in my water. There's something creeping up on us right new.' "'Well, I'm not one to argue we're a man's water,' said Rob wearily. "'Okay, lads, spread out in a big circle.' Swords drawn, the feagles spread out, but after a few minutes there was a general muttering. There was nothing to see, nothing to hear. A few birds sang at a safe distance. Peace and quiet, unusual in the vicinity of feagles, was everywhere. "'Sorry, Big Yan, but I'm thinking your water is no on the button this time,' said Rob anybody. It was at this point that Horace the Cheese dropped from a branch onto his head." A lot of water flowed under the big bridge at Lanka, but from up here you could barely see it because of the spray coming from the waterfalls a little farther on, spray that hovered in the freezing air. There was white water all through the deep gorge, and then the river leapt the waterfall like a salmon and hit the plains below like a thunderstorm. From the base of the falls you could follow the river all the way past the chalk, but it moved in wide, lazy curves, and it was quicker to fly in a straight line. Tiffany had flown up it just once, when Miss Level had first brought her into the mountains. Since then, she'd always taken the long way down, cruising just above the zigzagging coach road. Flying out over the edge of that furious torrent into a sudden drop full of cold, damp air, and then pointing the stick almost straight down, was pretty high on her list of things she never intended to do, ever. Now Granny Weatherwax stood on the bridge, the silver horse in her hand. It's the only way, she said. It'll end up at the bottom of the deep sea. Let the Wintersmith look for you there. Tiffany nodded. She wasn't crying, which is not the same as, well, not crying. People walked around not crying all the time and didn't think about it at all. But now she did. She thought, I'm not crying. It made sense. Of course it made sense. It was all boffo. Every stick is a wand. Every puddle is a crystal ball. "'No thing had any power "'that you didn't put there. "'Shambles and skulls and wands "'were like shovels and knives "'and spectacles. "'They were like levers. "'With a lever you could lift "'a big rock, "'but the lever didn't do any work. "'It has to be your choice,' "'said Granny. "'I can't make it for you, "'but it's a small thing, "'and while you have it, "'it will be dangerous. "'You know, "'I don't think he wanted to hurt me. "'He was just upset,' "'said Tiffany.' "'Really? Do you want to meet it upset again?' Tiffany thought about that strange face. There had been the shape of a human there, more or less, but it was as if the Wintersmith had heard of the idea of being human, but hadn't found out how to do it yet. "'Do you think he'll harm other people?' she asked. "'He is the Winter child. It's not all pretty snowflakes, is it?' Tiffany held out her hand. "'Give it back to me, please.' Granny handed it over with a shrug. It lay in Tiffany's hand on the strange white scar. It was the first thing she had ever been given that wasn't useful, that wasn't supposed to do something. "'I don't need this,' she thought. "'My power comes from the chalk. "'But is that what life's going to be like? "'Nothing that you don't need?' "'We should tie it to something that's light,' she said in a matter-of-fact voice. "'Otherwise it'll get caught on the bottom.' After some rooting around in the grass near the bridge, she found a stick and wrapped the silver chain around it. It was noon. Tiffany had invented the word noonlight because she liked the sound of it. Anyone could be a witch at midnight, she'd thought, but you'd have to be really good to be a witch by noonlight. Good at being a witch, anyway, she thought now as she walked back onto the bridge. Not good at being a happy person. She threw the necklace off the bridge. She didn't make a big thing of it, It would have been nice to say that the silver horse glittered in the light, seemed to hang in the air for a moment before falling the long fall. Perhaps it did, but Tiffany didn't look. Good, said Granny Weatherwax. Is it all over now, said Tiffany? No. You dance into a story, girl, one that tells itself to the world every year. It's the story about ice and fire, summer and winter. You've made it wrong. You've got to stay to the end and make sure it turns out right. "'The horse is just buying you time, that's all.' "'How much time?' "'I don't know. "'This hasn't happened before. "'Time to think at least. "'How are your feet?' "'The Wintersmith was moving through the world without, in any human sense, moving at all. "'Wherever Winter was, he was too. "'He was trying to think. "'He'd never had to do this before, and it hurt.' Up until now, humans had just been parts of the world that moved around in strange ways and lit fires. Now, he was spinning himself a mind and everything was new. A human, made of human stuff. That was what she had said. Human stuff. He had to make himself of human stuff for the Beloved. In the chill of morgues and the wreckage of ships, The Wintersmith rode the air searching for human stuff. And what was it? Dirt and water, mostly. Leave a human long enough, and even the water would go, and there would be nothing but a few handfuls of dust that blew away in the wind. So, since water did not think, all the work was being done by the dust. The Wintersmith was logical, because ice was logical. Water was logical. Wind was logical. There were rules. So, what a human was all about was the right kind of dust, and, while he was searching for it, he could show her how strong he was. That evening, Tiffany sat on the edge of her new bed, the clouds of sleep rising in her brain like thunderheads, and yawned and stared at her feet. They were pink, and had five toes each. They were pretty good feet, considering. Normally, when people met you, they'd say things like, how are you? Nanny Og had just said, come on in, how's your feet? Suddenly, everyone was interested in her feet. Of course, feet were important, but what did people expect to happen to them? She swung them back and forth on the ends of her legs. They didn't do anything strange, so she got into a bed. She hadn't slept properly for two nights. She hadn't really understood that until she'd reached Tia Nanny Og, when her brain had started to spin of its own accord. She'd talked to Mrs. Og, but it was hard to remember what about. Voices had banged in her ears. Now, at last, she had nothing to do but sleep. It was a good bed, the best she'd ever slept in. It was the best room she'd ever been in, although she'd been too tired to explore it. Witches didn't go in much for comfort, especially in spare bedrooms, but Tiffany had grown up on an ancient bed where the springs went glowing every time she moved, and with care she could get them to play a tune. This mattress was thick and yielding. She sank into it as if it were very soft, very warm, very slow quicksand. The trouble is, you can shut your eyes, but you can't shut your mind. As she lay in the dark, it squiggled pictures inside her head of clocks that went clonk clank, of snowflakes shaped like her, of Miss Treason striding through the nighttime forest, seeking bad people with her yellow thumbnail ready. Myth treason. She drifted through these scrambled memories into dull whiteness, but it got brighter and took on detail, little areas of black and grey. They began to move gently from side to side. Tiffany opened her eyes and everything became clear. She was standing on a, a boat. No, a big sailing ship. There was snow on the decks and icicles hung from the rigging. It was sailing in the washing up water light of dawn. "'on a silent grey sea "'full of floating ice "'and clouds of fog. "'The rigging creaked, "'the wind sighed in the sails. "'There was no one to be seen. "'Ah! "'This appears to be a dream. "'Let me out, please,' "'said a familiar voice. "'Who are you?' said Tiffany. "'You. "'Cough, please.' "'Tiffany thought. "'Well, if this is a dream.' "'And she coughed. "'A figure.' grew up out of the snow on the deck. It was her, and she was looking around thoughtfully. "'Are you me too?' Tiffany asked. Strangely, here on the freezing deck, it didn't seem that, well, strange. "'Hm? Oh, yes,' said the other Tiffany, still staring intently at things. "'I'm your third thoughts, remember? The part of you that never stops thinking. The bit that notices little details. It's good to be out in the fresh air. Is there something wrong? Well, this clearly appears to be a dream. If you would care to look, you'll see that the steersman in yellow oilskins up there at the wheel is the jolly sailor off the wrappers of the tobacco that Granny Aching used to smoke. He always comes into our mind when we think about the sea, yes? Tiffany looked up at the bearded figure, who gave her a cheerful wave. Yes, that's certainly him, she said. But I don't think this is— Our dream, exactly, said the third thoughts. It's too real. Tiffany reached down and picked up a handful of snow. Feels real, she said. Feels cold. She made a snowball and threw it at herself. I really wish I wouldn't do that, said the other Tiffany, brushing the snow off her shoulder. But you see what I mean. Dreams are never as non-dreamlike as this. I know what I mean, said Tiffany. I think they're going to be real, and then something weird turns up." Exactly. I don't like it at all. If this is a dream, then something horrible is going to happen. They looked ahead of the ship. There was a dismal, dirty bank of fog there, spreading out across the sea. There's something in the fog, said the Tiffany's together. They turned and scurried up the ladder to the man at the wheel. Keep away from the fog. Please, don't go near it, Tiffany shouted. The jolly sailor took his pipe out of his mouth and looked puzzled. A good smoke in any weather he said to Tiffany. What? It's all he can say, said her third thoughts, grabbing the wheel. Remember, that's what he says on the label. The jolly sailor pushed her away gently. A good smoke in any weather, he said soothingly, in any weather. Look, we only want to— Tiffany began, but her third thoughts, without a word, put a hand on her head and turned her around. Something was coming out of the fog. It was an iceberg, A large one, at least five times as high as the ship, as majestic as a swan. It was so big that it was causing its own weather. It seemed to be moving slowly. There was white water around its base. Snow fell around it. Streamers of fog trailed behind it. The jolly sailor's pipe dropped out of his mouth as he stared. Ah, good smoke, he swore. The iceberg was Tiffany. It was a Tiffany, hundreds of feet high, "'formed of glittering green ice, "'but it was still a Tiffany. "'There were seabirds perched on her head. "'It can't be the Wintersmith doing this,' said Tiffany. "'I threw the horse away.' "'She cupped her hands to her mouth and shouted, "'I threw the horse away!' "'Her voice echoed off the looming ice figure. "'A few birds took off from the huge cold head, screaming. "'Behind Tiffany, the ship's wheel spun. "'The jolly sailor stamped a foot, and pointed to the white sails above them. "'A good smoke in any weather,' he commanded. "'I'm sorry, I don't know what you mean,' said Tiffany desperately. The man pointed to the sails, and made frantic pulling motions with his hands. "'A good smoke!' "'Sorry, I just can't understand you.' The sailor snorted and ran off toward a rope, which he hauled on in a great hurry. "'It's gotten weird,' said her third thoughts quietly. "'Well, yes, I should think a huge iceberg shaped like me is a—' No, that's just strange. This is weird, said her third thoughts. We've got passengers. Look, she pointed. Down on the main deck, there was a row of hatches with big iron grids on them. Tiffany hadn't noticed them before. Hands, hundreds of them, pale as roots under a log, groping and waving, were thrusting through the grids. Passengers? Tiffany whispered in horror. Oh, no. And then the screaming started. It would have been better, but not a lot better, if it had been cries of help and save us, but instead it was just screaming and wailing, just the sounds of people in pain and fear. No. Come back inside my head, she said grimly. It's too distracting to have you running around outside, right now. I'll walk in from behind you, said her third thoughts, then it won't seem so— Tiffany felt a twinge of pain and a change in her mind, and thought, well, I suppose it could have been a lot messier. Okay, let me think, let all of me think. She watched the desperate hands, waving like weeds underwater, and thought, I'm in something like a dream, but I don't think it's mine. I'm on a ship, and we're going to get killed by an iceberg that's a giant figure of me. I think I liked it better when I was snowflakes. Whose dream is this? "'What is this about, Wintersmith?' she asked, and her third thoughts, back where they should be, commented, "'It's amazing. You can even see your own breath in the air.' "'Is this a warning?' Tiffany shouted. "'What do you want?' "'You for my bride,' said the Wintersmith, the words just arrived in her memory. Tiffany's shoulders sank. "'You know this isn't real,' said her third thoughts, "'but it may be the shadow of something real.' I shouldn't have let Granny Weatherwax send Rob anybody away like that. "'Crivens, shiver me Timber!' shouted a voice behind her, and then there was the usual clamour. "'It's Timber's, you dafty! Aye, but I can only find one!' "'Splice the big plank! Daft Woolies just walked into the water! The big pudding! I told him! Just the one eye-patch!' "'With a yo-ho-ho and a ho-yo-yo!' Feagles erupted from the cabin behind Tiffany, and Rob Anybody stopped in front of her as the rest streamed past. He saluted. Sorry we're a be bitty late, but we had to find the black patches, he said. There's such a thing as style you can. Tiffany was speechless, but only for a moment. She pointed. We've got to stop this ship from hitting that iceberg. Just that nay problem. Rob looked past her to the looming ice giantess and grinned. He's got your nose just right, eh? Just stop it, please, Tiffany pleaded. Aye, aye, come on, lads. Watching the feagles working was like watching ants, except that ants didn't wear kilts and shout crivens all the time. Maybe it was because they could make one word do so much work that they seemed to have no problem at all with the jolly sailors' orders. They swarmed across the deck, mysterious ropes were pulled, sails moved and billowed to a chorus of a good smoke and crivens. Now the Wintersmith wants to marry me, Tiffany thought. Oh, dear. She'd sometimes wondered if she'd get married one day, but she was definite that now was too soon for one day. Yes, her mother had been married when she was still fourteen, but that was the sort of thing that happened in the olden days. There were a lot of things to be done before Tiffany ever got married. She was very clear about that. Besides, when you thought about it, yuck, he wasn't even a person. He'd be too... thud went the wind in the sails. The ship creaked and leaned over, and everyone was shouting at her. Mostly they shouted, "'The wheel! Grab the wheel! Right new!' although there was also a desperate, "A good smoke in any weather!' in there too. Tiffany turned to see the wheel spinning in a blur. She made a snatch at it and got thumped across the fingers by the spokes, but there was a length of rope coiled nearby, and she managed to lasso the wheel with a loop and jerk it to a halt without sliding along the deck too much. Then she grabbed the wheel and tried to turn it the other way. It was like pushing a house, but it did move, very slowly at first, and then faster as she put her back into it. The ship came around. She could feel it moving, beginning to head a little bit away from the iceberg, not directly for it. Good. Things were going right at last. She spun the wheel some more, and now the huge cold wall was sliding past, filling the air with mist. Everything was going to be all right after— The ship Hit the iceberg. It started with a simple crack as a spar caught on an outcrop, but then others smashed as the ship scraped along the side of the ice. Then there were some sharp splintering noises as the ship ground onward and bits of plank shot up on columns of foaming water. The top of a mast broke off, dragging sails and rigging with it. A lump of ice smashed onto the deck a few feet away from Tiffany, showering her with needles. "'This isn't how it's supposed to go!' she panted, hanging on to the wheel. Marry me, said the Wintersmith. Churning white water roared across the foundering ship. Tiffany held on for a moment longer Then the cold surf covered her, except that it was suddenly not cold, but warm. But it was still stopping her from breathing. In the darkness, she tried to fight her way to the surface, until the blackness was suddenly pulled aside, her eyes filled with light, and a voice said, I'm sure these mattresses are far too soft, but you can't tell Mrs. Og a thing. Tiffany blinked. She was in bed, and a skinny woman with worried hair and a rather red nose was standing by it. You were tossing and turning like a mad thing, the woman said, putting a steaming mug on a small table by the bed. One day, someone will suffocate. Mark my words. Tiffany blinked again. I'm supposed to think, oh, it was just a dream. But it wasn't just a dream. Not my dream. What time is it? She managed. About seven, said the woman. Seven, Tiffany pushed the sheets back. "'I've got to get up. "'Mrs. Og will be wanting her breakfast.' "'I shouldn't think so. "'I took it to her in bed not ten minutes ago,' "'said the woman, giving Tiffany a look. "'And I'm off home,' she sniffed. "'Drink your tea before it gets cold.' And "'With that she marched towards the door. "'Is Mrs. Og ill?' asked Tiffany, "'looking everywhere for her socks. "'She'd never heard of anyone who wasn't really old "'or very ill having a meal in bed. "'Ill?' I don't think she's had a day's illness in her life, said the woman, managing to suggest that, in her opinion, this was unfair. She shut the door. Even the bedroom floor was smooth. Not made smooth by centuries of feet that had worn down the planks and taken all the splinters out, but because someone had sanded and varnished it. Tiffany's bare feet stuck to it slightly. There was no dust to be seen, no spiderwebs anywhere. The room was bright and fresh, and exactly unlike any room in a witch's cottage ought to be. "'I'm going to get dressed,' she said to the heir. "'Are there any feagles in here?' "Ugh, no,' said a voice from under the bed. There was some frantic whispering, and the voice said, "'That is to see. There's hardly any of us here at all.' "'Then shut your eyes,' said Tiffany. She got dressed, taking occasional sips of the tea as she did so. "'Tea brought to your bedside when you weren't ill? That sort of thing happened to kings and queens.' and then she noticed a bruise on her fingers. It didn't hurt at all, but the skin was blue where the ship's wheel had hit it. Right. Feagles, she said. Crivens, you'll nay be fooling us a second time, said the voice from under the bed. Get out here where I can see you, daft woolly, Tiffany commanded. It's real haggling, mister, where you always ken it's me. After some more urgent whispering, daft woolly, for it was indeed he— "'trooped out with two more feagles "'and Horace the cheese.' "'Tiffany stared. "'All right, he was a blue cheese, "'so he was about the same colour as a feagle. "'And he acted like a feagle, "'no doubt about that. "'Why, though, had he got a grubby strip "'of feagle tartan around him?' "'He kinda found us,' said Daft Woolly, "'putting his arm around as much of Horace "'as was possible. "'Can I keep him? "'He understands ever a word I say. "'That's amazing, because I don't,' said Tiffany. "'Look!' Were we in a shipwreck last night? Oo ay, sorta. Sort of. Was it real or wasn't it? Oo ay, said the feagle nervously. Which, Tiffany insisted. Kinda real and kinda not real, in a real, unreal sorta way, said Daft Wooly, squirming a bit. I don't have the knowing o the right word is. Are all you feagles OK? Oo ay, miss, said Daft Wooly, brightening up. "'Nee problemo. It was only a dream ship on a dream sea after a, "'And a dream iceberg?' said Tiffany. "'Ach, no. The iceberg was real, mistress. I thought so. Are you sure?' "'Aye.' "'We're good at the knowing of stuff like that,' said daft Woolly. "'That's so, eh, lads?' The other two feagles, in total awe of being in the presence of the big wee hag, without the safety of hundreds of brothers around them, nodded at Tiffany and then tried to shuffle behind each other. "'A real iceberg, shaped like me, is floating around on the sea,' said Tiffany in horror, "'getting in the way of shipping.' "'I could be,' said Daft wooly "'I'm going to get into so much trouble,' said Tiffany, standing up. There was a snapping noise, and the end of one of the floorboards leapt out of the floor and hung there, bouncing up and down with a rocking-chair noise. It had ripped out two long nails. "'And now this!' said Tiffany weakly, but the feagles and Horace had vanished. Behind Tiffany someone laughed, although it was maybe more of a chuckle, deep and real, and with just a hint that maybe someone had told a rude joke. "'Those little devils can't half-run, eh?' said Nanny Og, ambling into the room. "'Now then, Tiff, I want you to turn around slowly and go and sit on your bed with your feet off the ground. Can you do that?' "'Of course, Mrs. Og,' said Tiffany. "'Look, I- I'm sorry about—' pooh what's a floorboard more or less said nanny Og. i'm much more worried about esme weatherwax she said there might be something like this ha she was right and miss tick was wrong there'll be no living with her after this she'll have her nose so far and near her feet won't touch the ground with a spooyoyoying sound another floorboard sprang up and it might be a good idea if yours didn't either miss nanny added i'll be back in half a tick That turned out to be the same length of time as twenty-seven seconds, when Nanny returned, carrying a pair of violently pink slippers with bunny-rabbits on them. "'My second-best pair,' she said, as behind her a board went plunk and hurled four big nails into the far wall. The boards that had already sprung up were beginning to sprout what looked a lot like leaves. They were thin and weedy, but leaves were what they were. "'Is it me doing this?' asked Tiffany nervously. I dare say Esme will want to tell you all about it herself, said Nanny, helping Tiffany's feet into the slippers. But what you've got here, miss, is a bad case of ped fecundis. In the back of Tiffany's memory, Dr. Sensibility Bustle, D.M. Phil, B.L.L., stirred in his sleep for a moment and took care of the translation. Fertile feet, said Tiffany. Well done. I didn't expect anything to happen to floorboards, mind you, but it makes sense when you think about it. They're made of wood after all, so they're trying to grow. Mrs. Og, said Tiffany. Yes? Please. I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. I keep my feet very clean, and I think I'm a giant iceberg. Nanny Og gave her a slow, kind look. Tiffany stared into dark, twinkling eyes. Don't try to trick her, or hold anything back from those eyes, said her third thoughts. Everyone says she's been Granny Weatherwax's best friend, since they were girls, and that means that under all those wrinkles must be nerves of steel. "'Kettles on downstairs,' said Nanny brightly. "'Why don't you come down and tell me all about it?' Tiffany had looked up Strumpet in the unexpurgated dictionary, and found it meant a woman who is no better than she should be, and a lady of easy virtue. This, she decided after some working out, meant that Mrs. Geetha Og, known as Nanny, was a very respectable person. She found virtue easy, for one thing, and if she was no better than she should be, then she was just as good as she ought to be. She had a feeling that Miss Treason hadn't meant this, but you couldn't argue with logic. Nanny Og was good at listening, at least. She listened like a great big ear, and before Tiffany realised it, she was telling her everything. Everything. Nanny sat on the opposite side of the big kitchen table, puffing gently at a pipe with a hedgehog carved on it. Sometimes she'd ask a little question, like, Why was that? Or, And then what happened? And off they'd go again. Nanny's friendly little smile could drag out of you things you didn't know you knew. While they talked, Tiffany's third thought scanned the room out of the corners of her eyes. It was wonderfully clean and bright, and there were ornaments everywhere. Cheap, jolly ones. The sort that have things like, To the World's Best Mum, on them and where there weren't ornaments, there were pictures of babies and children and families. Tiffany had thought that only grand folk lived in homes like this. There were oil lamps. There was a bath made of tin, hanging conveniently on a hook outside the privy. There was a pump actually indoors. But Nanny ambled around in her rather worn black dress, not grand at all.